0: good morning morning. you'll take your bibles out we're going to be there in matthew chapter 16 verses 13 through 19 jesus asked peter a pretty simple question who do you say that i am and when he answers he tells him "Uh, you're peter and on this rock i'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it and i will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and, and whenever you see if you go to, to Europe or some of the old uh, cathedrals and things like that when you see pictures and carvings of Peter you can always tell which one is him do you know why? because he's always holding keys or a, a large key or some kind of a big key to designate that that's supposed to be Peter um, do you get those mailings? do you get those things in the mail where it'll have a little uh, advertisement from a, a car dealer and it will have a key stuck to it my kids love those and they always want that little key and they always ask if they can have that key and I always tell them no. Do you know why? It looks just like my van key. Exactly like it. And those little advertisements come every couple of weeks and the last thing I want is a bunch of keys floating around the house that look just like the key that works. But they, it looks just like it. I, I would have a hard time telling them apart. They, uh, they, they look very similar. Jesus says, I'm the door. I'm the way. Unfortunately, we have a lot of keys floating around out in the world and and people say, "Well, well, this key will open the door and that key will open the door and this key will open the door. But Jesus told Peter, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. So this morning we want to look first at the keys that don't open that door. First thing we're going to look at is in Proverbs chapter 14, if you'll turn your Bibles there the first key that does not open that door is the key of strong feelings and we try that key we shove that key in the lock and we jerk it around in there and see if it'll open I want you to think about how many decisions are made and that are driven by emotion there's a particular kind of food we we describe when we're feeling bad what do we call it what kind of food is it comfort food comfort food is not food you eat because you're hungry it's food that you eat because you want comfort And we describe it as such because we've made the decision to eat not based on physical hunger, but because of how we feel. Now, we we have this this phrase that you hear sometimes. Well, it just seems so right. It just seems so right. Even some of the old songs, You know, how can it be wrong when it feels so right? How, How could something be wrong if the feeling is there? Proverbs chapter 14 says in verse 12, there is a way that seems right to a man. It seems right. I look at a way and it seems right. It seems to make sense. It seems like that would be correct. But what does the end of the verse say? There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Now, how can that be? How can a way seem right, but actually lead to death? That doesn't seem to make sense, does it? Well, it looks right. It seems right. It's the whole reason mousetraps work. That looks good. Smells good. Seems like a nice meal. Dumb humans left it sitting right there for me. But its end is the way of death. It seems good. It seems attractive. If it didn't look good, it wouldn't draw the mouse. If the mouse walked up and said, who would ever eat that? We would never catch a mouse. Is it possible? Can we look back in recent history to see something that seemed right, but its way led to death? In 1881, there's a cigarette ad. From 1881... And the advertisement said cigarettes give immediate relief for asthma, cough, bronchitis, influenza, and shortness of breath. And I thought, could they have been any more wrong? The very thing that they were advertising that it gave relief for was the very things that it caused. Later in in our country's history, there was a a brand called Dr. Baddies, asthma cigarettes. Dr. Batty's asthma cigarettes. They were to help you with your asthma. Dr. Batty released them. They, they were, but the funny thing about Dr. Batty's cigarettes is they had a small disclaimer on them and said, not for children under six years old. <laughs> You're six year old, go ahead, smoke them. Smoke them if you got them, buddy. Yeah. Hey, heading off to first grade, you know, pack of cigarettes rolled up in your sleeve, not recommended for children under six. Have any of you ever seen the Flintstone commercials for cigarettes? Did you know the Flintstones sold cigarettes? A lot of them with Fred puffing away and, and, and advertising and selling to, uh, to people. In the, between the 30s and the 50s, even when we were starting to get an inkling that something was wrong here. If you go back and look at some of those advertisements in Time Magazine and other, other national magazines, some of the spokesmen that they got. Doctors. Nine out of ten doctors recommend camels. When we interviewed doctors and asked them what they smoked, they said camels. There are lots of advertisements with Santa Claus lighting up, sitting up against the chimney. Um, Athletes. Athletes. Great uh, baseball players. uh, Jesse Owens, different people, saying, you know, this is what I smoke and this is what I have. And I even saw one for a dentist. This dentist recommended this brand. You go ask your dentist today. What, what, what brand would you recommend that I smoke? You go to your doctor. Which brand would you recommend that I smoke? You go to athletes and ask them. We don't see the Flintstones selling cigarettes anymore, but for a while, during the time my grandfather started smoking, for a while, there was even a belief, not ju- a belief not just that they were bad for you, but what? they are good for you. It's good for you. And this is true of all kinds of things. A little cocaine, you know, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, soothe the stomach, calm the nerves, you know, bring you down opiates, opiates all over the world to, to help you settle down and feel better and improve your health. And so man has this idea and we know this. In our own country, you don't have to go back a hundred years to say that there's a way that seems right to man and its way is death. You've got to admit that that this key of seems right and feels right is a very poor key to try to open the door. I see more and more people talk about just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. I saw an article just this week in the national news about two ladies who were wanting to get married and. They they said we were both very religious and we wanted to please God and so we prayed and we're not talking about days we're talking about not weeks we're talking about months that we prayed and prayed because we wanted to do what was right and said we finally came in the interview she said we finally came to the conclusion that something that felt so good and felt so right couldn't be wrong cuz it just feels so right feel so right and 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 the Bible says that the greatest of these is love the greatest commandment is love to love one another therefore this must be right follow your heart you know what the Bible says about trusting your heart does the Bible tell us Proverbs chapter 28 tells us in very clear language Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 26 how does God's Word describe you if you trust your heart Proverbs 28, 26 says, whoever trusts in his own heart, some translations say mind, speaking of that that decision-making faculty, whoever trusts in his own mind or his own heart is a a fool. (laughs) You trust in your heart, you're a fool. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Trusting in your heart. We, We saw a video recently of a young lady who said, if I feel at peace in my heart, I know that's God telling me yes. If if I feel peace in my heart, I know that's God telling me yes. And we talked about Paul. How did Paul feel about persecuting Christians? I felt great about it. When Jesus said, there are going to be people who are going to put you to death and they're going to think what? That They're offering service to God. They're going to think, they're going to feel really, really good about killing you. You're my disciples and people are going to try to kill you and they're going to feel great about it. They're going to feel good about it. They're going to feel very strongly that what they're doing is not just right, but serving God. Sometimes people say, well, just trust your instincts. You know, trust your instincts. Go with your instincts. Do you have a good sense of direction? Or are you one of those people that when you come to a T-junction that you, you always guess right? Well, I'm the other guy. Okay, well, whatever you got, you took from me because I didn't get it. You got, you got my share. In fact, I, I tell Heather sometimes, my sense of direction is so reliably poor that I use it. I use it. If I pull up to an intersection and I feel like I need to go to my left, I'll go right and I'll be right. I, just, I, I know, I know that, my, my, that my instincts in that and can be so wrong for whatever reason. And the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17, when it talks about the heart, and we've talked about this several times in other sermons, about how, how easy it is to, to, to hear people say, trust your heart, follow your heart, go with your heart. You know, if you feel deeply, if you feel right, if it, it, God will judge our heart. But Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. A desperately sick heart. We've all seen this, and we don't even have to go back a hundred years to to prove this concept. I just know in my heart that he's alive. Poor guy's been dead two years. I, I just know in my heart this is the right decision until it's not. I, I know in my heart that I'm doing the right thing until you realize you're doing the wrong thing. We know these things are true yet the world see, continues to say use the key of feelings to determine what's right whatever you feel is right whatever feels good to you whatever feels right to you and the Bible continues to say there's a way that seems right to man and its end is the way of death toss that key out well there's another key there's always another key in and it's the key of guesswork have you ever tried to go to a locked door and you have a big keychain? chain you got about a dozen keys Heather and I moved 10 times in our first 13 years of marriage and so when we finally got here I opened up my drawer and there was a bag marked with keys. Just a big old bag of keys. I don't know what these keys are for. You know. Some of them are maybe for the house or the door or the car but I have a hard time throwing keys away because I don't know what they go to. And so I went around to the doors and I sat there with that bag of keys and I tried every key in every door and it took me hours Trying to find the right key to open the right door. God doesn't do that to us. Look in your Bibles in Hebrews chapter 11. When we talk about having faith, is faith guesswork? Is faith, well, maybe I can figure out what God wants me to do. Maybe not. Hebrews chapter 11, the very first verse says, Now faith is the assurance. Do you know what assurance is? You do. I'm sure. Faith is the assurance of what? Things hoped for. These things the Bible promises to us. The assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Assurance and conviction. Does that sound like, like guesswork? Do you know what we hear today? We hear this all the time. Who am I to say? Who am I to say what the, what's right and wrong? How, how can we know? How can we, I had someone tell me just a couple of months ago, how can we really know what God wants us to do? I don't know, maybe read it. It's here. The Bible says He's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. We, we, we have these things, we have this knowledge. And Jesus said, make a good guess at the truth and you may get out and you may not. What does your Bible say? You shall know the truth. The conviction, the assurance. You shall know the truth. And what's the result of knowing the truth? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Who am I to say? Well, you're nobody. Who, who am I to say what's right and wrong? You're nobody. But Jesus is the Son of God and the words He spoke were true. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, how do we find that conviction? How do we have that faith? Romans 10:17 says, so faith comes from, guesswork? Hearing. hearing. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the news, hearing your horoscope, hearing an advisor, hearing a priest. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Hearing the Word of Christ. That's where faith comes from. It doesn't come from guessing. It doesn't come from your heart. It doesn't come from your feelings. It doesn't come from your instincts. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of Christ. You shall know the truth. Here's here's the thing that we have a hard time uh, admitting sometimes. Sometimes we don't want conviction and assurance. sometimes we want a gray area. Sometimes we want things because you know what? Uh, assurance and conviction certainty binds us, restricts us and compels us to obey. Uncertainty puts us in charge. I had a, a business professor my senior year in, in school. and he gave us an assignment. He was one of those quirky teachers that would, tried to be really cool and fun and, and and but I thought, well you know two can play at that game and So he gave an assignment and he would would intentionally, he said, I want you to think for yourselves. So he would intentionally leave things open-ended and he said, he would give us an assignment and say it's a one-page assignment. We didn't say anything about the margins. And he didn't say anything about the font size. So I turned in an assignment in 18-point font with three-inch margins all around. One page. You said one page. And he didn't like it. And he didn't like it, so he rewrote the syllabus to to restrict and bind. And 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 I thought, you know, you said you wanted us to think for ourselves and not be not be bound in, so I wasn't bound. And sometimes we like that, don't we? I didn't have to work as hard, I didn't have to write as much, I didn't have to spend as much time because there were no restrictions. And so sometimes when the Bible speaks clearly, we say, No, I don't want to, I don't want to see that clearly because I don't want to be restricted. I don't want to be bound. I don't want to be hemmed in. I want to do what I want to do. And can you admit that? That that is who we are? I want to do what I want to do. And so Jesus has not left us with guesswork. He says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. How long has this been going on? This this whole idea of did God actually say what He said? Where do you have to go in your Bible to find someone trying to pull that on you? On humans? Genesis. God said, you can eat from any tree in the garden except one, and I'm not going to tell you which one. Alright? Because we're left to guess at right and wrong. Right? How can we really know? Can you imagine Eve saying to Adam, we know, how can we really know which tree is the tree we can't eat from? God said, you can eat from every tree in the garden, just don't eat from here. And what did Satan say? Did God actually say that you couldn't eat from any tree in the garden? He said, no, he, he said we could eat from any tree in the garden. We just can't eat from this tree. And he said, if, if we did, we would die. And Satan says, no you, no, you won't die. You won't die. That restriction that God put there, he didn't really mean that. He didn't really say that. Now let me tell you, if you're a preacher or a teacher and you get up and tell people and God has said, do not go here, do not do that, and you stand up and say oh come on god didn't really mean thou shalt not i'm telling you who you're mimicking you're mimicking satan when you loose where god has bound and when you bind where god has loosed you are not honoring your lord he doesn't leave us up to guesswork faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of christ he tells us what we need to know. We do not have to guess. So we can take the key of guesswork, and we can throw it in the same trash can as the key of feelings. And here's the hard one. We'll the third and final one. Look in Romans chapter 12. There's a key that we try, and we try desperately to use, and that is the key of good works. We say, you know, I'm not going to go by my feelings. I'm going to go by the Word of God. I'm not going to guess. I'm going to know the truth. I'm going to obey the truth. I'm going to do these good things. And I'm going to amass a really big keychain of good works. Romans chapter twelve and verse two says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How do we discern the will of God? The Bible says, by testing, how do we how do we discern it? Excuse me. How did the Bereans discern it? The Bible says they were more noble than the others. They searched the Scriptures daily. For what purpose? To see if these things were so. Is that really what it says? I hope that you're following along in your Bible today. I hope you're looking to see if what you're hearing this morning is actually in the Bible. Does Proverbs really say that about the heart? Does does Jeremiah really say that? Does Hebrews really say conviction and assurance? I hope you're in your Word. To see if those things are true, to know the will of God. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter two and verse eight, "For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing; it's the gift of God, not a result of works." And then it gives us the reason, so that no one may boast. We try to get a big old keychain and we hold it up to God and say, God, look at all these keys. This is the key of kindness and the the key of charity and the key of generosity and the key of contribution and the key of visitation and the key of Monday night for the Master and the the key of this and the key of that. Look at all my keys. And we jangle them and say, look, do any of these open the door? And I'm asking you from Ephesians, do any of your good works open the door to the kingdom? When when Jesus said to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom, was the key to the kingdom good works? No, they don't open the door. Now, the Bible says we were created for good works to walk in them. We don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. We do serve, we do honor our God with our works. But it's not the key, but it's so easy to think it is the key. It's so easy to think I'm going to heaven because I've done a good job. I've been nice to people. I haven't hurt anybody. I'm honest. And we put key after key on the keychain, and we think surely one of these must open the kingdom. Do they? How many keys can you put on that ring and still not have the key to the kingdom? In Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, we see. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. When Peter told them, in spite of all their righteousness, in spite of all the things they thought they'd done right, in spite of all their good feelings about putting Jesus on the cross as a blasphemer, In spite of all their learning and knowledge and all the things they thought they'd done right, Peter nails them to wall as being the murderers of the Son of God. And the Bible says they were pierced to the heart. And they cried out, Brothers, what shall we do? And I want to tell you this morning, there are three things that Peter did not say. He did not say, you just need to feel better about what you've done. Just feel better. Just know in your hearts that you didn't mean it. Peter didn't say, well, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know, do whatever you think is right and and, and it should work out. Hey, this group over here, go do your thing and y'all say a prayer and and y'all do some some penance and y'all do this and y'all get baptized. Peter didn't say, every man for himself. And Peter absolutely did not say, well, you need to spend the rest of your life being good. And if you'll just be good, then God will forgive you. He didn't didn't offer any of those keys, did He? Jesus said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. They weren't the keys of, of feeling good or guessing or working hard. Peter answered and said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. There's the key. There's the key that opens the door. The key and the door are one and the same. The key to the kingdom through Jesus Christ. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That would include the sincere. When he says every one of you, that would include the people who felt good about what they'd done. That would include the uncertain, who weren't sure about what was right and wrong. And it would absolutely include the kind and the generous, those who had been good servants and who had done good things for other people. Every one of you. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins why jesus why is jesus the key he says in revelation chapter 1 when he stands before john he says in revelation 1 verse 17 john says when i saw him i fell at his feet as though dead but he laid his right hand on me saying fear not i'm the first and the last and the living one i died and behold i am alive evermore and i have the keys i have the keys he gave Peter the keys to the kingdom but in Revelation, he says, I have the keys to death and Hades. I have the power over death. I am the One. Your good deeds are not going to get you through death. Your feelings are not going to get you through death. Your uncertainty is not going to get you through death. Jesus says, I have the keys to death in Hades. So if you want eternal life after death, if you want something beyond death, if you want Heaven beyond death, you're not gonna work yourself there, you're not gonna feel yourself there and you're not gonna guess yourself there. You're only going to get there through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want to become a Christian this morning, it's not about guesswork. It's not about feelings. It's not about stirring you up. It's about you understanding that Jesus Christ came to this earth and died for your sins, not because you deserved it, but because he loves you. He was willing to die and take the sins of the world so that you could live, and he died on a cross. And you can't earn that cross and you can't deserve that cross and you're not entitled to that cross. But He offers you forgiveness at that cross. The Bible says that if we come in faith, if we come in repentance, if we're baptized into His death, we'll be raised in the likeness of His resurrection. And once we become a Christian, our faith does not rest on our feelings. It does not rest on our good deeds. Our faith continues to rest the same place it rested the day we became Christians in the name of Jesus Christ. If you need to become a Christian this morning, we invite you to come while we stand and sing.